Good to be back with you, college basketball friends. This is episode 55 of Mad About Hoops. Back in the saddle, I'm Timmy Hall. That's Evil Bald Colin and Evil. We did a live show on our local radio station, 97.1 The Fan, a couple weeks back. That was that was a good time. We were just sort of filling, filling a gap. I think it was a, a late-night Columbus Blue Jackets game. They are terrible, by the way. <laughs> So um, at least we got an Ohio State Buckeye basketball team that's ranked number 13 in the country and more on rankings and polls in today's episode. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into this little conversation yet. But going back to that live show we did, unfortunately, we didn't have a whole lot of games to be previewing or talking about, uh, but it was good to just kind of get some evergreen topics in there, uh, talk about coaches we think are maybe coming to the ends of, ends of their career and we kind of keep the same tone with it in this podcast with some of the topics. I know you're going to go on your own end. I'm going to talk about the ESPN BPI in the history of it and why it's so good at accurately predicting the national champions. ESPN's BPI. And I want to take a dive into the AP poll and ask a bunch of questions about it. And we'll speak to it as basketball fans, how much we follow it. I actually voted on this sucker for one year. And for the life of me, I don't know how to get back in. I don't know what's going on in Ohio. I think Stephen Means and Matt McCoy might be our two guys in the state of Ohio. Interesting. Matt McCoy, who's local here in Columbus, and Stephen Means, also local, who writes for the Cleveland Plain Dealer and covers Buckeye basketball and the Big Ten. Just as Ohio said, because I know there's other teams that have representatives. Like, I think that David Jablowski down there in Dayton. Maybe there's more than two then. Yeah, you're I think, right. I think he does it because, again, I checked poll tracker like crazy. I'm pretty sure I've seen his name on there. And that's another thing that we're going to dive into <laughs> as to what that is and how there's actually a website dedicated to tracking all of the pollsters out there. And it's it's kind of shocking how much goes into that, right? Someone is someone's got an algorithm or something set up on a website that even tells you what the percentages are of like the mean pick for a team, where it appears, and if you have a bias towards a school or against a certain school. But the fact that they get like everybody's ballot, like that they get to see who picks who. Like I, I use I don't I don't think I can figure out who. Or that information is outside of that website. Right. I think you must have to go right to the AP. Like, I don't think if you ask, they're going to tell you that you can't have it. But when I was voting, I certainly don't remember seeing mine anywhere on the Internet. And that was I don't know if that website was was rocking and rolling back then. Just want to clarify is David Jablonski. 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 I always mess up his last name. But yes, he covers the. Dayton Flyers down there, Dayton Daily News, and I believe he is one of the pollsters. All right, so we're going to have some interesting conversation. As Hoops fans, we're going to talk about what the polls mean, why college basketball coaches don't seem to give a flip about them all that much, what they really track, what they really follow when you get into some of those ratings like Ken Palm, and you, you'll actually hear college basketball coaches use those terms a lot in their press conferences throughout the throughout the season. And then, of course, what the net rankings are and how the selection committee actually uses those measures to seed the NCAA tournament. So we're going to go polling in this episode of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it! He, he made it! 
on the other wing. Frank. Oh! 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 Send it in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. Yes, it is. It's January Madness, but it all leads to March Madness. I'm Timmy Hall. That's Evil Bald Colin. Why the hell are you wearing the Carolina shirt today? Get that out of my face. Got to gotta look at that for the whole recording? Uh, no, I, what are you doing I just, to me? I don't know. It was just the outfit I picked out for today. But no, it's anytime I go somewhere of significance, I have to get something with it. And with going to the, the research triangle, I felt like I had to get something of Duke and of North Carolina. And I went with a T-shirt for Duke basketball, and I went for this for uh, UNC, this little crew neck. I understand it. I like to pick up a shirt if I'm traveling and I check out an arena or something like that. But I, it also has to be – it's got to be a program that's not on my hit list. And suffice to UNC's say – UNC's on your hit list? Yeah. I'm a Kansas basketball oh, guy. Oh, that's fair. How could they okay. not be on my hit list? There's just a – it's a lifelong constant battle of – who's got more basketball acumen, who's richer in tradition and history. We like to say at Kansas that we supplied Carolina basketball with their legacies, with their history. There's no Dean Smith without Kansas. That's where the dude's yeah, from. I know. So there you go. I, I just don't hold it in that same magnitude because, again, like Duke beat Butler in that, that national championship game. So theoretically, if I followed your plan, I wouldn't own that Duke basketball shirt. But, no, I, I'm just a lover of the sport in general. And I mean, I've got that. I've got like a Belmont shirt, a UC Irvine Anteater shirt. Like, oh, those I, I are just, fine. I yeah, go, those I, are fun. Anywhere, those are fun. Anywhere all over the place. I try to get a little bit of everything. I have I full full subscribe button, as you should do for this podca- podcast. Mad about hoops. Tell your friends if they love college basketball. We're here every single episode talking about the things that you guys love inside the sport. But full subscribe to that philosophy. Yeah, I mean, if it's – and, you know, the Butler-Duke thing – I get it. They played in a national championship game, but it's not like Duke and Butler have had this thing. They're not both blue blood programs. You get that with Kansas and North Carolina. It's the same reason I just, I couldn't do it for Kentucky, right? Being a Kansas guy. Couldn't really do it for Indiana. Couldn't really do it for any of those other, and we could have this discussion on another podcast, one episode. Who are our 10 blue blood programs. How do you define that? Does that change throughout the course of time? If you don't get a national championship inside of a two decade span, do the historical ones start falling by the wayside? Whole lot of things we can get into, but Hey, part of the thing, uh, one of the main things that does sort of set the bar for what blue bloods are and what tracks that is the associated press poll. What are we in sports if we don't have a poll to tell us what we are, huh? Well, if that's the case, Purdue won't like this very much. If you're a Purdue fan, you might want to turn off the segment. Well, Purdue, by the way, you know, part of what they did get over to hump. They did get over to hump. I, I will give them that. Part of what sparked this is seeing that that tidbit about the Boilermakers, mm-hmm. and one of those shocking things that they had never reached the number one ranking ever in the history of the Associated Press college basketball poll until they just did it a few weeks ago and they lost their first game out. Yeah, was it Ron Harper Jr. that hit that great shot? It was. At the buzzer? Yeah, you don't want to go to the rack. You don't want to go to Rutgers. It's a tough place to play. Seton Hall got out of there alive, but it's it's a tough place to play. Some of the other teams that might surprise you, we, we looked at this when that Purdue story popped up, when that headline popped up about them never reaching the number one status. Maryland had also 
has still never been ranked number one. And there, therein lies an interesting factoid about the AP college basketball poll. They do not set one when the season is done. You play the net, you play the tournament out and then it ends, but it's the last poll is the one going in to March Madness. I was about to say, cause it wouldn't make any sense after that. Oh, two season. Cause they won the national <laughs> right, title. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of think they should have one at the end. Don't you? Cause they do. They do in football. Don't they? They do. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's how they would pick the national champion, right? Wow. Is they would reset, they'd set the AP poll, ages, and then you'd have the AP ago. national well, it champion. It seems like ages ago, but yes. I know. It wasn't that long ago, though. You just go right up to the BCS championship, and I think they were, I mean, they, they technically still do it, I believe. They do. The final do. AP yeah, poll in football. Yeah, yeah, You'll get news. Ohio State will be like, I don't know, fourth or fifth, whatever. Uh, but yeah, they do release one after all the bowls are completed. I mean, it would it would actually be fun to do because... You don't necessarily have to just, you know, I, I guess when you talk about the final four and the elite eight and the sweet 16, some of those teams that go out in those rounds right before the final four, they, there could be some interest as to who slots in, you know, the six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 spots finishing with an AP top 10 ranking is Something that a lot of programs would hold in high regard, I would think. Yeah, right? especially if you have a dif- disappointing tournament, one hundred percent. I do also think it would be difficult. I mean, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of people like ourselves who would have to set aside how they value the tournament in terms of their ranking and how it would affect it. I don't know how accurate it would be uh, because, again, we hold the tournament and how it finishes in the number one spot as high as it does. I I, I don't know how they would distribute. Teams that started the tournament, maybe in like the top 10, and how would they would fall if they did lose or get upset in the first round? So I'm looking at this, you know, little factoid here. The AP began compiling a ranking of the top 20 college men's basketball teams during the 1948-1949 season. It has issued this poll continuously since the 1950-1951 season. Beginning with the 89-90 season, that's when the poll went to 25 teams. Duke, no surprise there, has had the most appearances atop the rankings. You know, I I feel like anytime we would ask a full-blown college basketball coach about their position in the AP poll, it's sort of bristled at. Do you get that too? I didn't. I I didn't get a chance to ask Coach Holtman at this week's press conference about it. One of the reasons is I was scared to, because I didn't want to hear the response because of the the mode that they're in right now. You know when you're a reporter and you sort of have a story that you're working on and you sneak into a press conference when there's a task at hand. It's like oh we're just coming off a a nice win against Nebraska or a, a win and that we didn't play all that great, but it's nice to get the win. And we got to go to assembly hall and play the Indiana Hoosiers. That's where our minds are. We're not thinking about what our freaking ranking is in the AP poll, but yet if you, if you suck, you're not going to be ranked. That's true. And, but if you're good, you're not always going to be in a position where you deserve to be. And I, I think the greatest example of that's that true. is Loyola Chicago last year, a team that was ranked for a lot of that season, especially at the end, and wasn't on the 8-9 line. Like That's ridiculous. So I think that's why they kind of devalue it because it's like, well, yeah, it's great. It can tell you what it is, but it's not also telling you what the committee's thinking. And that's really all right. that matters is right. the metrics that apply to what the committee's going to do. Right, but back to my first point about it, it's 
it's good to be respected, right? By you, by your community. I think there, any college basketball fan, any fan of a program, they'd be lying to you if they told you they don't care at all about the AP poll. There's something that's seated deep inside us that does care what other people think, even if it's just a small percentage, a shred of percentage points. Some part of you cares. And I go back again and say it. You are not going to be in the poll if you suck. If your win-loss record is horrible, if you don't have any quality wins. Now, then we get into the fun of it where you have the website that you alluded to in the open. What's that called specifically? College Poll Tracker. Yeah, yeah, so it's basically a website set up by, I, I honestly don't know who, but they get the access to all of the ballots. They get where each voter votes for each specific team and then aggregates throughout the season or maybe just into the entire career of the voter and how they vote for certain teams and they can decide whether you're biased towards or against. Yeah, so who did you I'm, – I'm looking at it. It is collegepolltracker.com, and they have this for football. They have this for basketball. You go to the website, and the home says, Welcome to collegepolltracker.com. We are dedicated to making college polls more accessible and more transparent. <laughs> we index every AP ballot each week to provide comprehensive, sortable voting information by team or pollster. So you can go to basketball here. You click on the pollsters. They even have the photos. They got the photos in they here. Do. They do. Let's go. So Rick uh, Bozich, who was on our live show, mm-hmm. you can right. go to the last episode and he's a good dude. He's, you would think that he's going to have some of the bias towards the Kentucky teams, right? Or for Indiana, that's the natural fit because that's who he's of, an expert there's for. There's a lot of weird ones. Or does he go the other way? Let's see. He's got, okay. He's got Kentucky at 12. In his latest poll. Okay. When Kentucky had their 11 and two record and their actual ranking is 16. The highest ranking is John Wilner who had them ranked seventh and they're unranked, which is ridiculous right by, and maybe this is the only guy, maybe there's more, but uh, it shows you the lowest ranking. So someone, at least one person has them unranked and that's James Krapia, I think is his name. And I'm not clicking on him right now. So I don't know what exactly his uh, outfit is. But it doesn't actually, okay, bias, and it, it has a little graphic at the top right under the guy's yes, name. That's right. Bias is towards Stanford, Nebraska, and St. John's. So he does not have a bias towards Louisville, Indiana, or Kentucky. So good job by Rick. That's what you want. Like, right, where the teams in your home area, you don't want that to be sort of amplified for everybody that checks you out. Yeah, I think what I've noticed in a lot of those guys is the bias towards or against can honestly be teams that don't make the poll as much. But if you vote them five spots outside of their range of, I would think of it like a radius from where they are actually ranked from, let's say a team's ranked at 20th. If you vote them unranked or if you rank them inside the top 15, more or not, you're going to be considered biased on one side or the other. So if they're not making the poll that very often, I think that's a little bit of an error in the process, but they can be random teams that people are biased towards or against. I'm looking at our boy, David Jablonski, because you mentioned him on the pod already. Dayton Daily News, Dayton, Ohio. All right, no bias towards the Flyers. That's good. He he does have biases towards St. Bonaventure. Hey, who could blame him? In the conference? That's who fine. could blame yeah. him? God love the Bonnies, right? 
and towards San Diego State and towards Arizona. Little uh, Miller connection, at least there was. Not anymore with okay. Sean being out, but Archie being the coach at Dayton. And it's, it even says, like, they really go in-depth. So it says next to St. Bonaventure, ranked five spots above average over 10 weeks. So it's it's not going to do that if it's just a couple weeks. There's probably something in there, five or six weeks at least it has to be, of four or more spots. I'm just spitballing here. That's just my guess. has to be a significant amount of spots above or below an average for you to hit a bias towards or a bias against. And again, a lot of this is much ado about nothing. This is just somebody having fun, and they're telling you. This website is just telling you that this person has a bias towards or against them. They might not even be thinking in those ways. They might have legitimate reasonings, and that's also part of the fun of the poll, right? My reasoning and how I do my poll could differ from your reasoning and how you do your poll. That's what's also so fascinating about this, and then it just gets thrown out into the world of college basketball and then there's all this debate and everybody in some way shape or form will care about the numbers that are next to their team here's there's also big differences between it in college basketball and college football right you have so many more games and I think with you and me we share in the sense that when you get to the NCAA tournament if you don't get in you really have nobody to blame. Right. You're not going to blame AP voters for how they started you or where you where you wound up finishing because unlike in football, there's so many games. And once if you're in a big conference, you'll get so many quality games. If you want to just start go knocking off top dogs, you will eventually get to number one. Like if you want to, you will find your way to number one, not close to it. I mean, Purdue, I know, started in a pretty good place this year. But you could you could throw out some other example. You could use Ohio State here as an example. If they want to continue to go streaking and keep winning and winning and winning and winning, they would eventually get to that top spot. I mean, we we've seen that before with this squad, and it could happen again. In football, there's all this there's this course that you shouldn't start it till so many weeks into the season, and I do believe it because I think at a certain point you use the AP poll as a reference, even if yes. you don't use it as the Bible. Yes. But when you are on a committee or something, you're gonna check other sources that exist just to sort of reinforce what you're thinking is like, oh, I can't think of this team that highly if this large group of college basketball viewers doesn't even have them ranked at all. You know what I mean? 100%. I think the greatest example I can think in my head is think of that Georgia-Clemson football game and how much that Clemson victory really mattered to Georgia early on and really propelled them. I think in basketball, because the metrics aren't set up at that point in the year, you don't really get a feel of how it's going to affect their resume or their Ken Palm ranking or these advanced rankings that the committee replied, the net rankings, which we'll get later on. Like Those things are so heavily relied on, and they rely on how teams progressed throughout the year. I think the way that we would think about, a, I don't know, maybe if Ohio State beats Duke like they did back in November, but Duke was just horrible the rest of the year, it's not going to get looked back on as favorably as I think football does because it sticks with you longer and you're playing less games. Yeah, and let me ask you this. Would you want to vote? Would you want to do this? <laughs> yes, because I don't think there's as many crazy people like me that are going to be down on my back when I make a decision that they don't agree with. You know, yes, you would, I, I would, you know you would care about it. it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, you, you still can't watch every single minute of every single game for all the teams that you're voting on. But It's, it's impossible. You do, you do owe it to everybody on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, to sort of have a, a 
miniature set of standards or set of rules for how you're going to do this. Like there's been, I, I was talking with Adam Jardy, our friend from the Columbus dispatch today, because after I wasn't able to pop this question to Chris Holtman in his press conference as it was running out, and I did not honestly want to be that guy like, Hey coach, do you care about the AP poll today? And he'd say, ah, oh, you know, Tim, uh, Timmy, not, not really right now. <laughs> you know, not, not one of the things that I'm thinking about. I'm like, yeah, but you, you got to care a little teeny tiny bit because that means that you're doing something well. You can't be ranked if you're doing horrible things, unless there's just something really nasty going on. Like like you said, there's biased. If you're Duke or Kentucky or some of these squ- squads, it could take maybe a loss or two more to get out of the poll. But shoot, there there's a certain point in time where even for those programs, and we've see it all we see it all the time. If you start slipping and you lose enough games in a row, people have to kick them out of the You'll polls. You can't 100%. just keep them in just because it's a constant thing. And that's also what I love about men's basketball is it can constantly change as the season ebbs and flows. You know, you don't have to hold somebody in a certain spot and just keep them there. Some pollsters will like to do that and ignore real games that happen just because they say, oh, I just think they're better. I'm like, yeah, but they lost to this team. Yeah, but I just think they're better. And there's some there's some cases where, you know, you might have a, a quality team play two very difficult conference road games in a week. Uh, maybe against AP top five teams. You might have another team that plays bottom of the barrel conference teams at home and they wins, but and they win both those games in those cases. Yes. The, the, the win column might stay somewhere for team a, the win column might tick up a little bit for team B, but you might not put team B who's on the bottom above that, that squad just yet because of strength of schedule. There's all strength sorts of, of schedule, things that resume, you're going to look at. Yeah, there's there's t- so many different things at play. Yeah, and I just, I, I, I did it one time, as I told you. <laughs> it was when I was working in North Carolina, and an AP writer asked me. That's how the offer was extended. I want to say it was Jody McCreary, who was an AP writer in Raleigh, and he knew I was covering college basketball for the radio station I worked for, thought I had a, a passion for it, which I did, and I still do. And yeah, sure. I was like, great, let's do it. And then when my job situation changed there and I wasn't working at the fan in Raleigh anymore at the end of that college basketball season, I just never heard about it ever again. It's just a sick club. I never heard about it ever again. <laughs> I was out and then I wound up here in central Ohio and I've never been asked about it. And I, I enjoyed it because you spend some time on the weekend and you're really into college basketball. You feel like you're going to put a lot into it. And I'm sure I made a couple of minor mistakes throughout the way, but I like to hope that it was only like, oh, I'd look back over my notes and what my own standards and criteria were. And maybe I had like, oh, shoot, I had this team 19, this team 20 with what I really believe. Like in my heart, I should have had those swapped. I should have had those flip flop the other way. But, you know, you move on to the next poll. Hopefully you don't wind up on college poll tracker for having the biases, you know, for and against everybody. And you try to do the best job that you can. Voting for the teams is also a blast. For the AP National Player of the Year, oh yeah, and the first team All Americans, first, second, and third team All Americans. That's that's a pretty good time. Yeah, I, I again, I would love to do it, but at the same time, I know there's going to be people like myself out there that are tracking it using this website and using it against me. But I'll, uh, to be honest with you, I, I think it's a more of a feel early on in the season. It's a feel trying to get a grasp of how things go. You start to get resumes built more and more and more. And I think it gets a little bit easier later in the season. I think it is, even right now, just starting in the January, it's a little bit tougher to judge this poll right now, but give it about three to four weeks, and I think it'll get more clear. 
So do you care about the AP about the AP poll? Uh, personally, no. I, I care more about what we're going to talk about a little bit later, the ESPN BPI, uh, more like Ken Palm's rankings. More, I'm more analytically driven when it comes to basketball. All right. I care about the poll. I think it's got its place. I don't. I, I think it is what it is in 2022 now. I will tell it's you, not though, the Bible. It's just there. I think it's a good bit of fun on Monday when the rankings come out. And we continue to talk about it. I mean, we can sit here and say we don't care, but every college basketball program will put out their little release yes. about what their new ranking is, throw some factoids about, you know, number of weeks spent in the top 10, or this is our, you know, 79th week in the AP top 10, or this is the... 32nd week that we have reached the number one ranking in the AP poll. Whatever. Everybody likes to do that. So come on. I will, stop I will say, as you get into about the middle of the year, though, it is, I I feel like it's a good gauge of where people think we're going to be seed-wise as you start to build a resume. Especially when you're around that with Ohio State, the 18-13 line. It's fun to kind of get a gauge of where they think, you know, they might be on the edge of a two, but more like a three, maybe even a four. Lenardi thinks they're I, still a four. I saw Lenardi yeah. with that, but Mike yeah. DeCorsi has him as a two. So you kind of yeah. it kind of gives you a general idea of where people think you are in terms of the C talk. All right. Well, there's the poll that we hit on the poll that's been around since the 1940s that generates a ton of discussion, a ton of buzz, but ultimately when it's all said and done, it doesn't mean anything as to how the tournament is selected. It just means if you're in it, you're in the club and people think highly of you. You want to be respected. You want to be liked, right? We all just want to be liked. We want to just be given a big college basketball hug. And that's what the AP poll is about. We'll take a, a quick, what uh, to you will be a zero second break. We'll talk about Collins kind of poll. We're talking about body mass index. It's the B <laughs> it's the BMI for college basketball BPI. And he'll tell us why he loves that and why he uses that metric a whole lot. It's mad about hoops. Yeah, that was a very good conversation. You know, I think it was I, – I wish I knew for certain. I really do. I, I think I voted for Nolan Smith. All right, we took the opinion-based poll – now it's the time to talk about the analytical-based polls. And the one that I use a lot, and mainly when I'm deciding on my champions and my brackets, it happens to be the ESPN BPI. Now it hasn't been a lot around that long, not nearly since the 50s, like you said, with the AP poll. It's been around since the 07-08 year, which I know is important to you because that was the year that Kansas won the title. Is that when it came about? Yes, that was the first season. The first season. So the season that Kansas beat Memphis. That is right. It was in play that season. Yeah. That was, of course, famously the game. That's the last sporting event that I ever left a watch. I left it, and I I buried the Jayhawks. And did I, have I told you this story? No, I'm kind of uh, don't I'm, know I'm the in story? the dark on this. I want to make it quick because I want to get to the topic at hand. But, yeah, that game, I was so pissed off that Memphis – and that bloodsucker Coach Cal, who I thought <laughs> I thought of that way at the time. And, you know, everybody cheats in college basketball. Sooner or later, you got to get over it. Or you could just never get over it. Whatever. I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't stand that those guys were going to keep Kansas from yet another 
NCAA tournament championship. And I still have to look and see, oh, God, they've only won two since the 50s. This is ridiculous. That is hard to believe. Won one in the 50s. They won in 88 with with Danny and the Miracles. It's not good enough. And they were down 9 or 10 with a minute to go. It was the foul game. So I was watching it at my sister's house, and I was back then – Things matter too much to you, right? When you're only like a year removed from going to college, you're too invested. It it affects your <laughs> yes. daily life. You hate yourself. You hate everything. Your team's going to lose, and that's that's the world to you. So I just said, I got to go. I'm, I'm going home. So I had a 10-minute drive back to my apartment, who I was living with a diehard UNC basketball fan, a oh, grad wow. and a fan, and we had sort of this fun <laughs> college hoops rivalry all season. And who did Kansas trash on the way to that game? They played Roy for the first time in the final four. So he's texting me, you know, and I'm not looking at my phone. My sister called me a couple times on the drive, on the drive home. I'm thinking she's just trying to console me and I'm not ready to hear it. You know, oh, it's just a game, Tim. Don't worry about it. Be okay. Be safe. I'm like, I'm not ready to hear it. And so I get home to my apartment and my roommate opens the door. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, what? What's going on? I was like, yeah, we lost. And he's like, what? The game's in overtime. And Kansas is already up by seven or eight or whatever. So that's the story. I left my team. (laughs) I got ridiculed, rightfully so. I mean, bash me, ridicule all the live long day. Yes, but it's the last time I ever left a ultimate sporting event. If it's your team, it's the last game of the season or anything. You stay, you watch all the way to the bitter end. That sucks, how you do it. but uh, honestly, not on the same level, but that's so funny because it reminds me of what happened just this past week. Uh, we were flying back from the Rose Bowl, and we were sitting there waiting for baggage claim, and we were watching the the Ohio State-Nebraska game on my phone with Paul Kios and Matt Andrews and all. We were watching with The guy it. that usually calls the he action. usually calls yeah. the game, yes. But yeah. we were coming back from that game, and uh, Nebraska got a dunk. They went up five. It was about a minute left in the game, and Paul and I turned to each other like, oh, this is over. My bag came through the baggage claim, picked it up. I'm like, oh, you know what? Just go to my car. Don't even think about it. I uh, took the shuttle out to my car. Turned on the car and Neil Sika, who was calling the game for us, was uh, still on the air. And I'm like, broadcasting. what is going on? And then he said the score, <laughs> they were up six. I'm like, did they just score like that many points in one minute? No, they had made overtime and then they would eventually win from there. So not on the same magnitude, but I do kind of feel what you're feeling. Yeah. And uh, as we get on to it, like we were talking about the polls and what matters more, the AP poll or the ratings metric based polls, the analytical ones. Ken Palm net rankings are what they use now took over for RPI. So, you know, Colin, what do these things look at? These are very deep seated formulas that these yeah, so- super fans have created. And they talk about adjusted offense, adjusted defense, how efficient you are as a basketball team, BCS computer type ratings. They're all pretty much the same in different ways, but I think Ken Palm goes a lot more deeper, which is why theirs get a little bit different than the ESPN BPI. ESPN BPI pretty much, analyzes your offensive and defensive efficiencies. Meanwhile, Ken Palm does stuff like your opponents that you've played, their efficiency rankings, and that factors into your own efficiency rankings, and that kind of gives you a weight on how your record is. It's it, I could go for days talking about how it factors in, but that's why you'll see the rankings look different on Ken Palm versus what ESPN BPI looks like. Yeah, I was looking at, uh, at Ken Palm and... What we say, Ohio State in the most recent poll is 13th in the country. Yeah. They're 16th in the Ken Palm. And they're 18th in so BPI. So, like, the, they're, it's right they're in that very five, close. It's in the window. But, they go, but Ken Palm goes a little bit deeper. Baylor's the number one team in Ken Palm. And 
Are they the number one team in BPI? They are not right now. I mean, I, I can. I so can, this is where you're going to quiz me I, on that because they're the number one team in the AP poll. They're I fantastic. can spoil spoil this, or I can go into the topic about why the ESPN BPI is so important. Is Kansas number one? Kansas is not number one. Is so it's not an obvious one, huh? I don't think you're going to get it. Houston. You did get it. Okay. It is Houston. Because Houston's up there. They're in the top three in Ken Palm. And when I saw that name there, it just but it fit. But the issue is that they just lost our best player, Marcus Sasser, for the season. That's that's a shame. Yeah. That's going to be tough. We're f- Marcus, we're, f- we're thinking of you, man. That's tough. I mean, part of that great run for Houston to the Final Four last year, they lost some of those key guys on that team. Sasser was the nucleus. He was the dude. That's tough. Quite a bit. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. But I think... They're going to be battling when, whenever Memphis finally gets back on track, they're going to be battling with them in the American. But uh, no, Gonzaga is actually number two this year. So Gonzaga is number two. Baylor's at three. Houston's at one currently. And that and that makes sense. So what what's different about this BPI well, from some of the others? What's really different about it? I've already told you. It really just focuses on the team specific offensive and defensive efficiencies. But what I find important about it is that somehow it's very, very good at nailing down the national champion every single year it's been in play. And I say that because if you look at just the top three year in and year out, you're going to guess the national champion if you just take the final top three heading into the tournament. And I say that because last year, Baylor, your champion, number two. I could go down the list. There's only two instances I found that a team was not in the top three of this. And they were actually... Who won the title. Yes. The ironic part about it, it was the same team, and they were ranked in the same spot both years. That is interesting. UConn. They were 25th in both seasons that they won the national title. Okay. Yeah. They were nowhere near it. No, they were just nowhere a, near. They were a storybook type of run. Which if you, were, what UConn yeah, was. If you remember yeah. both of those years with Shabazz Napier and Kemba Walker, those were years where they kind of came out of nowhere. So I'm looking at the BPI for... This uh, midweek Ohio State-Indiana game, and you might look at this and you might look at what Indiana's strength of schedule is. They're a 10-3 team going into it, but they haven't really beaten anybody substantial. They got the Notre Dame win, which is a good one. It's more That's more of a good, not really a good analytical win. That's a feel-good win. You know, it's a genuine good win because well, it's an in-state seeing, program and it's an Kentucky indie. lose to them, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're not going to take them lightly. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they beat St. John's by two earlier in the season. Losses to Syracuse, a horrible loss on the road to Wisconsin when they had that game won up by 22. And they're just coming off a road loss to Penn State. But yet the BPI is going to have the Hoosiers beating the number 13 team in the country. It's got them at a 54.9% win chance over Ohio State's 45.1. So BPI says Indiana gets it done here. But we don't know what the status of a Kyle Young is going to be. That's going to be the tipping point for me. I'll look at a specific player for these guys. And home and road, I'm still going to side with the team that I feel is better and more well-equipped in my heart. Home, home court matters a little bit, but it's, it's usually for me about you know, three to four points worth one, maybe two possessions, depending on the team. Yeah. And I guess it depends on where the home court is. I mean, different home home courts aren't always equal in that aspect, but no, I, I I'm very curious to see. I, I, I don't have the data on individual games. I don't know how accurate really that is, but it's just weird. It might just be coincidence, but the top three every single year, 
If you pick a team in that top three at the end of the season, when you're putting your bracket together, you have a 33% chance of getting it right. <laughs> we're uh, we're going to come back to some of these BPI picks a lot for the, for the rest of the season. We should track Ohio State's BPI record for the rest of the way, starting with this game against Indiana okay. to see how they do against this. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at it now and there's a lot in there, man. There's, there's a lot that goes with how, how does somebody create this? I really don't understand it. Like to have that mathematical of a mind to be able to create these formulas to spit this all out. Like Ken Pomeroy credit to you, man. <laughs> Everybody uses your stuff. Every coach in the country subscribes and uses your stuff and, it's it's usable stuff. It's I mean, very they, usable. yeah, they it's take it to accurate. heart. No, 100%. If you ask coaches, it's almost always who they're going to reference. And I, I think even in the media, when you ask what kind of poll do they reference, very rarely, again, we go back to the AP poll, you're not going to hear that reference. You're going to be hearing mainly Ken Palm. But no, I, I think just because the analytical aspect, this is such a huge analytical sport that coaches really subscribe to it. Well, Evil, it was a fun one today. It was great, especially with these evergreen topics as games start to come back more mm-hmm. and more. Conference play, yep. we're getting in the middle of it. It's going to be really fun seeing this, this long stretch coming down, yeah, down yeah. the road. We're going to have some fun coming up in uh, these next few weeks as it's January. It's college basketball season, baby. I mean, football, the national championship's going to get played, and then that sucker's done. So it's going to be college hoops and the race towards March. And, yeah, take your polls seriously. <laughs> you know, treat them treat them the way that they deserve to be treated. And maybe one day Maryland can grab that top spot. So good luck. Do it now while they still count. And then we'll start talking about the committee in seemingly a month. All right, everybody. We greatly appreciate you guys checking us out. This has been the 55th episode of mad about hoops. We'll see you next time.